Hello and welcome. The name of this podcast series is Taboo Truths and Tales. So why these particular T words are all in the title, you may may want to know. Fair question. It's because this podcast deals with subject matter considered to be taboo. This podcast deals with a person's perception of truths. And this podcast deals with storytelling tales of fiction told by an individual. You need to choose for yourself what you perceive as truths versus tales because very often in real life that distinction is not crystal clear. This podcast is marked explicit. What that means, you should not listen to this podcast if you happen to be under the age of 18 or if someone under age 18 is listening there with you. Explicit means nobody under age 18 should be listening to this podcast series. So here we go. Taboo Truths and Tales is hosted by Madeira D'Souza. That's me. Some of you may know me by my nickname as Woody. Whatever you want to call me, I welcome you here to this podcast, which is definitely intended for people who are 18 or older. Thank you. Now let's get started. Okay, here we go. I want you to think about a situation in in your past where you were on a plane or uh, a train or a bus or something in which it was a traveling experience in which you sat next to someone that you could listen to and talk to um, without a lot of interruption, without any interruption really. Uh, maybe they brought you a, a beer or some wine or whatever, uh, or you brought that for yourself. But it's an opportunity to just spend time here, the two of us, you and me. And, um, you know, you've been in these kinds of situations before. Like I said, a train, um, a plane, a bus, uh, whatever. Someone else talking to you and you're listening to them. You can talk back to me, but I'm a recording, so... <laughs> I am not going to respond to your talking back to me. So here we go. This is, uh, I call it a the owner's manual for your mind. Really, you know, that's uh, kind of an odd thing but to call it, but uh, um, when we are born, we don't come with instructions that someone can uh, give to us. Um, you know, we are born without the ability to speak. We have to learn how to speak. Um, we are born with certain things like, uh, in, in the normal sense, people are born with the ability to see. They can look around uh, the room that they're in and, in and see things, see other people, if other people are there. Um, and you can usually you're born with the ability to hear sounds vibrating through sound waves in the air. Um, and so those things you're born with, but you're not born with 
instructions on how to live. Like you, someone has to teach you how to live in in the literal sense. If you were born suddenly and you're all by yourself, you're lonesome, just you and nobody else, well, you wouldn't live terribly long because uh, you would need someone to give you the, uh, the instructions to continue living. Um, you can be born, and yet you still need to be given instructions. Uh, call it teaching, call it guidance, whatever you want to call it. So here, you and I are together. You're listening to me. Maybe you're soaking in some relaxing water right now in a hot tub or a soaking tub. Uh, maybe you've had um, a bit of cannabis to help you relax. That's good. Uh, or not. You don't have to. But just listen to what I have to say and uh, take it all in. And you can play this again and again because it's a recording. You know, you don't have to get it all on the first uh run through. So here we go. Owner's manual for your mind. Um, and and why am I t uh, giving you this? Okay, first of all, why am I doing this? Um, this is, I guess, a gift to you. It's uh, I have no reason to give you anything, but um, uh, more importantly, I have no reason to ask you for money. You know, if this is not like Every few minutes, I'm not going to pop in here and say, "Hey, get your credit card out and send me $29.99." No, 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 no. I'm not going to do that. This is a gift. I'm giving it away, and yet I think it's. <laughs> I think you'll find it's very valuable um, knowledge. Knowledge, as they say, is power. So I'm giving you power through knowledge right here right now and you can play it back multiple times uh, to make sure that you got everything that you need to get so it's not going to cost you anything no money no credit card nothing uh, you don't have to uh, sign up at the end for anything like uh, oh we're having a, a free lunch and then you're going to see uh, how you can live in a fabulous condominium on the ocean no no none of that so it's all free. It's a gift from me to you. Just listen and uh, you know, soak in your soaking tub if you want. Um, just listen to what I have to say, and I believe, I believe this will really help you. So, owner's manual for your mind. Um, there were four guys from Liverpool, England, and you know who I'm talking about. One of them wrote a song, and it had uh, some really interesting. Words uh, people can learn a lot from melody uh, or percussion. You know, those are all emotionally engaging things. Melody, a song, a little tune. But sometimes lyrics in a in a song are very very helpful. And so the four guys from Liverpool, England, recorded many 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 songs and one of them had the following words living is easy with eyes closed okay living is easy with eyes closed what that means is it's uh you know many choices you make in life how to get through life but if you keep your eyes closed you're going to block out or close out 
prevent, in other words, something from coming to you in the form of uh, what you see. You can also plug up your ears, put your fingers in your ears, or put other... Well, don't do this, no. <laughs> don't put anything in your ears. But you can, you know what I'm saying, living is easy with eyes closed means you can go through life without paying attention to anything. Just close your eyes and drift. And oh, I'm going to talk to you about the opposite of that. I don't want you to just close your eyes, plug your ears or whatever, and just drift. No, I'm, I want you to be engaged because I'm giving you the owner's manual for your mind. What I'm talking about um, is something that probably should be taught in, uh, in school, no matter where you are, what language you grew up in. You should probably have been taught this, but just the way life works, you don't get taught this. You don't get taught, most people don't ever get taught how to balance their finances, you know, whether you have a checkbook or you do everything online. Normally, you've got to learn all that on your own. I don't know. It, it, it should be part of somebody's plan to educate you, to teach you about what to do with your financial stuff so that you cannot just spend all your money and then you're broke and then you are hungry and then, you know, you don't eat and you die. It's not a good thing. So knowing how to take care of yourself financially, very important, and that should be taught. You know, they teach you how to drive a vehicle. Um, you're not born with that skill. You know, try putting a five-year-old behind the wheel, <laughs> and you'll see, you know, it just doesn't, it's not a thing you're born with. So what I'm talking about here with you today, and you can listen multiple times to get more and more each time you listen. What I'm talking about is not something that we are all born with, and that is instructions on how to live and how to use our minds. Essentially, the teaser is, uh, I want you to think of this particular sentence, I am the boss of me. So you are the one who is saying this to yourself. You are your boss. There is nobody, nobody who can tell you what to do because you are the boss of you. I am the boss of me, first person way of expressing it. I am the boss of me. You are the boss of you. Okay. Essentially what this means in even more simple English is I can think for myself. And you flip it around, second person, you can think for yourself. That's what we're going to talk about here. The owner's manual for your mind is instructions for how you can be the boss of you, how you can think for yourself. I came to discover, and I don't know how, it just I guess it just happened, who knows? I don't care to figure out where it came from, but it came from somewhere. And what it is, is an awareness on my part that each of us has built in mental powers inside of our head. In the space between our ears, we have mental powers and we're born with those. We just don't know how to use them. So it's kind of like, thank you very much. You gave me all this. And then how do I use it? What do I do to make the car move forward? You know, you got to be taught that. So I'm going to teach you 
or instruct you how your mind works if it is working in a correct way instead of an incorrect way. An incorrect way would be malfunctioning. Is that a good word? Um, not working. Is that a good phrase? You know what I'm saying. So the instructions I'm giving you, free of charge, no money, no credit card, uh, is what's going on between your ears. And this is stuff that I believe probably should have been taught to you, but it was not. So we're going to make up for what you didn't get taught in some other place. And I want to say, as I as I already said, no money involved. I'm not going to ask you to pay me for anything. It's all here free. I'll have some links on the website, uh, tabutruthsandtales.com. I'll have some links if you want to learn more about a particular uh, item that I talk about. It's all free. You can just click on it, and you'll learn more by reading more. And also, I want to say, after no money involved from you to me, um, just links I'll give you on the website, there's nothing to take in a pill or a liquid or any other form. Just eat this magic cracker and no. <laughs> None of that. It's already inside of you. No false claims. No kidding around. No bullshit. Okay, it's all there in the space between your ears already, baby. It's already there. Okay. I wanted to uh, begin by talking um, about something I, I once, I don't know if I figured it out or somebody taught me, I don't know, uh, but I'm giving it to you here today in this recording so that you can improve your life. You'll feel happier, I believe, if you pay attention to what I'm telling you. You'll feel happier because you're going to take control over your own mind instead of giving up control to someone else, right? And a lot of us, we are human beings. I'm assuming you're a human being. You didn't just land here from another planet or another dimension. <laughs> You're an, a human being. We all like to be with others of our own kind. And so we tend to hang out with people like us uh, or people that we think are like us, people that we think are going to make us feel like we're a part of something, a group or a tribe is another way of expressing it. Um, we are very social beings as humans you know we don't like being alone for the most part it's good to have some alone time but for the most part it's not very much fun to be all alone without someone else that we can be with okay that's sort of a given so i want to talk to you about uh what happened in the not so distant past okay Actually, it was in the year 2004, right? How long ago was the year 2004? You can do the math, okay? There was a, a man in 2004 in New York City. And at that time, he was age 58. He had lived 58 years by the time he and all of us reached the year 2004. So let's say he's an older man because 58 
certainly is an older age than compared to someone who's 20 or 28, okay? So this older man, he's an older white man in New York City. He was born there in 2004. He was born 58 years previously, but in 2004, he was 58, and he became a media celebrity. This is someone who gets to be well-known in the United States for appearing in media presentations that earn high audience ratings. And this an example of this is on uh, national network television. And you've all watched television, so you know what I'm talking about. There's a process. You sit and you watch television. You watch a person or group of people, and you know what it means for someone to become a media celebrity. They're well-known because they appeared on national network television. So this guy, older white man, native New Yorker, became famous in 2004. He is someone you have heard of. You may not have watched any of the episodes of this guy's work on national network television. But if you, maybe you can go look for it. I don't even know if it's available anymore. But the name of the program was The Apprentice. And it was created by and written by and produced by an Englishman named Mark Burnett. Mark Burnett is... Very, 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 did I say very? Is very wealthy. He created other television shows beyond The Apprentice. He created Survivor, and you've heard of that. He's created Shark Tank, you've heard of that. So maybe you never heard of Mark Burnett, but you've seen his stuff, that, the stuff that he produced on TV. Mark Burnett, born in the United Kingdom created The Apprentice. And on The Apprentice, he introduced us to what became a media celebrity, and the person's name, the man's name, Donald Trump, an older white guy, 58 years of age when we first met him on The Apprentice on NBC in the year 2004. Now, The Apprentice was on NBC, which is a uh, National Broadcasting Company is what those letters stand for. And that's what they stood for when they first were cho chosen or coined for um, the NBC radio years and years and years ago, 100 years ago. Then television came along, and then in 2004, NBC television presented The Apprentice, created by Mark Burnett, a man from England, starring Donald Trump, a man from the United States, born in New York City, a white guy, right? Okay. The Apprentice was meant to be a television show. It was a television show. It still is. It exists somewhere in an archive, in a recording. And it was a presentation of entertainment for you, the viewer, all of us. I enjoyed it very much. It was a, a very entertaining thing. It's supposed to be entertaining, but it's entertainment. You know, it's not 
the truth from a, a flaming pie or a, or a burning cloud in the sky. Excuse the rhyme. Uh, it, it is The Apprentice on NBC Television Entertainment. So what we saw was Trump, members of his family, and people who worked as his employees. They performed or acted, quote-unquote, on camera. They were, they were photographed, filmed, taped, um, not necessarily revealing their true selves, quote-unquote. They delivered lines. They spoke they delivered lines. Someone wrote the lines for them, a writer, a producer, Mark Burnett, someone who worked with or for Mark Burnett. They delivered lines, these people, Trump, his family, his employees, etc. Dialogue, which originated in scripts or production notes or guidelines that have been written for them by professional television writers and producers. That's, that's the reality you know, it's called reality television. Uh-uh, no, wrong. It's a good phrase, but it is not reality, quote-unquote. That phrase, reality television, is wrong. It's just not accurate. They were meant to come across as real, but Trump, his family, his employees, the contestants on the show all had material written for them, whether it was scripted out completely, maybe not 100% of the time, but it was material not their own that originated in scripts or production notes or guidelines that had been written for them by, I already mentioned this, television producers, writers, professionals. It was their job to write all that stuff. So The Apprentice is an excellent example of show business and you've all heard that phrase, show business. Irving Berlin wrote the great song, There's No Business Like Show Business. I won't sing for you. What is show business? Well, it's for-profit business designed to make money presenting entertainment for public consumption. That's a simple personal word, not a dictionary. It's my personal word description for what is show business. So, The Apprentice in 2004, NBC, created by Mark Burnett, starring Donald Trump and a host of others. Entertainment, show business, on a Sunday night. And it was very successful. It ran 15 seasons. Uh, you know, you don't run 15 seasons unless, unless people are watching. And they did watch. A lot of people watched very high audience ratings. The show was a financial success. Made a lot of money for Donald Trump, a lot of money for Mark Burnett, a lot of money for NBC television. Okay? The Apprentice started 2004 NBC Sunday night. Show business. There's no business like it. Now, I want to point something out to you. I am not here to discuss partisan politics. This is not a discussion about, in the United States, you know, there are two partisan political parties, as we call them here in the USA. God bless America. We have two parties, the Democratic Party in alphabetical order, the Democratic Party, and the Republican Party. And this 
recording that you're listening to now is not, 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 not to tell you that the Democratic Party is better for you than the Republican Party. No, I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about other things, but not about partisan political subjects. Okay? Now, if you are someone who... We all do. We all have beliefs. If you are someone who uses the phrase Democrat Party, you notice you drop the I and the C from the end of the word. Democratic Party has an I and a C at the end of the first word. That's how they named it. And they named it back in the year 1792. 1792. It is the oldest political party in the United States of America. Democratic with an I and a C. If you pronounce it Democrat Party without the letters I and C, you are making a partisan political statement. Whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not, you are, I'm telling you. Yeah, you are, Blanche. Because the legal name for the party is Democratic Party. So, this is not going to talk about, this recording not going to talk about which party is best for you. Maybe neither is best for you. Maybe you don't even live in the U.S. <laughs> so, no, that's not what this is about. But Democratic Party is a name that traces its roots back to the year 1792. So, Donald Trump... If, if listening to this makes you angry because you support Donald Trump, well, then that proves one thing to start off with. Right out of the gate, you are choosing to believe that Trump is correct and those who are not Trump are not correct. And you think it is true. You think it is the truth. But I want you to accept the the reality that there is no such thing as objective reality. Reality is all in our minds. But don't just take my word for the lack of objectivity in human thinking. You can go online, and I'm not going to give you links for this, because just Google it, or use duckduckgo.com, and go to a brick-and-mortar library, and pull out these strange things called books, and look up objective reality and you will find for thousands tens of thousands of years people have written and spoken about how there really is no such thing as objective reality something that is true for everyone there is no such thing so in the history of america the country founded as uh, out of revolution in 1776 as a democracy, right? The word democracy is something that every school child hears, every school child hears uh, in their history or their civics or whatever the name of the class is. Democracy is a form of government that uh, is a way of describe that form of government is a way of describing what government there was starting in 17, I'm sorry, 1776 in what became the United States of America. The Democratic Party started, as I said, this will be on the test in, in the year 1792. But earlier, in 1776, 
out of a revolution, the country that we now call the United States of America was formed. It was formed as a democracy. The people alive in those days broke free from tyranny of uh, a royal family in England, and they came over to the United States, and they ruined the land and took things away from the indigenous people. Oh, stop, just stop. I won't go there. Um, but 1776 was the start of the American democracy. There had been, and there still are, other democracies around the world, but starting in 1776, American democracy in the United States of America. So we have democracy on one hand, and on the other hand, if you want to think in a binary way, the opposite of a democracy is an autocracy, A. U-T-O-C-R-A-C-Y, autocracy. And it means a system of government by one person with absolute power. So the United States in 1776 was not run by a man named George Washington. He was not the one person in charge who ran everything. He became appointed as what we now call the American president, but he had others who shared power with him, and that is democracy. The democracy is when uh, people in leadership share power with those who are governed by them, by the leaders. Autocracy is the opposite. It's when the government is run by one person with absolute power, and it's easy to name people in history, because, you know, you know them too, not personally. Well, you haven't lived 200 years, so you wouldn't know them personally, but Adolf Hitler, uh, Benito Mussolini, um, Saddam Hussein, uh, you know, others. Maybe you knew Saddam Hussein personally, because he wasn't 200 years ago, but you know what I'm talking about. An autocracy is... Someone who's alive today, maybe when you're hearing this, he won't be alive, but as I'm recording this, Vladimir Putin is alive. He's alive in Moscow, comrade. He is an autocrat. He is one person, absolute power over Russia. Vladimir, baby, are you listening? Hope you're enjoying this. So let's go back to 2004 and NBC... Sunday night, The Apprentice, starring Donald Trump and a whole cast of other characters. And I say it that way because, as I mentioned, they were filmed, photographed, taped. I guess they all used videotape in those days. But there were speaking lines written for them, or notes gave them suggestions for lines that they spoke, coming from professional television writers, and producers. And it became known as The Apprentice. That was the name given, a catchy little song that goes with it. Uh, You can look that up online. Money, 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 money was very prominent lyrics in the theme song from The Apprentice. Millions, tens of millions. Did I mention, did I mention, did I mention it was a rating success? Yes, it was. Tens of millions of viewers 
sat down or stood up or lie down, whatever they did, and they set aside the normal, everyday skepticism and disbelief we all have within us as human beings. It's something we all have. And instead, people agreed to share a mental replica of reality. It's not reality itself. It's a mental image or a mental replica. Whatever you want to call it, it's just not objective. It doesn't exist in the sky and everyone sees it. It is something in the space between everyone's ears. So it's a mental replica of reality. It's not reality itself. And it was all about Trump. The replica was created for this television show called The Apprentice. NBC television, it was run all around the world, uh, and it originated from a very strong American capital capitalistic, and that's not a bad word, but capitalism, making money from business. It originated in New York City, some would say the capital of capitalism in the United States. And it gave people the belief that Donald Trump was, uh, in, in 2004, a genuinely wealthy and successful New York City business leader who enjoyed the status of having made a lot of money. And for whatever reason, I don't know why, but in American culture, if someone makes a lot of money and we see them, we perceive of them, they become someone that we say, wow, look at that. They have a lot of money. They made a lot of money. They were a successful hip-hop artist, or they were a su successful sculptor of naked statues of elephants, whatever. But we do look up to people that make a lot of money. So it was natural, because of NBC television, show business, what Joni Mitchell, the great American songwriter, song singer, said was the star maker machinery. Joni Mitchell said that. It was her phrase. And, and it is a description of what happens in American culture. I, I guess English culture, too, in, in Great Britain, in the UK, elsewhere, in Scotland, in the... Uh, down under in Australia also, New Zealand, South Korea, and, and so on and so forth. Star maker machinery. We look up to people who are famous because they are famous. We look up to people because they make a lot of money. So it was natural for people who viewed The Apprentice, the show, on NBC to reach the conclusions that Trump must be trustworthy for having national respect and even admiration on a national or international basis because he was on television. Whether or not it was factually true that he became uh, admired, respected for what were bona fide skills or actual earnings, was he really wealthy? We don't know until we see his taxes. But in 2004, Trump became nationally known through NBC television, through the work of Mark Burnett, through the work of NBC. He had national respect and even admiration, whether or not he earned it. He earned it on television, certainly. I'll give you that. So that started in 2004. But then, wait for it, in 2016... What began as 
a television show in New York City morphed into American history. And Donald John Trump was elected the 45th president of the United States. And while you're listening to me, you just got to take my word for it. There was never, ever another time in American history, all the way back. Now, television didn't exist in 1776, so you don't have to go back that far to look and see, hey, was anyone ever elected president of the United States because essentially they appeared on television before Donald Trump? No, no way, no how. Donald Trump was the first. Now, we had another president, Ronald Reagan, who was in movies and on television. He was very well known. He was born in uh, Illinois and went to Hollywood, became famous. And you've all seen pictures and maybe videos of Ronald Wilson Reagan. He was from the world of show business, um, just like... Uh, Donald Trump was from the world of show business. Except, 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 Ronald Reagan had been elected the governor of California. Ronald Reagan had been elected the governor of a union uh, in California, in Hollywood, in show business. So Reagan came, yes, from showbiz, but he was elected by groups of other people, his peers, his followers, his devotees. He was elected to office. And he was elected as governor of California twice, you know. And California then and now has more people living there than any other state. So why did all those tens of millions of people vote for Ronald Reagan twice to be their governor? I don't know. That's not the subject here. But compared to others who governed from the Oval Office in Washington, D.C., prior to Trump, he had no personal experience in any previous elected office. No previous experience. He had never served in any branch of the United States military. He had no law degree. He never passed a bar exam and was never licensed to practice law. Who cares about whether he was a lawyer? There are examples of people who are presidents who are not lawyers. But not too many, I'm here to tell you. Many, 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 many of the presidents of these United States were, in fact, lawyers at some point earlier in their lives, before they became occupants of the Oval Office. So, But not Trump. No personal experience in any previously elected office. No previous elected, sorry, elected office. He was never... Uh, in the military, he had no law degree, not a lawyer. So, in spite of all that, what mattered more to people was that they enjoyed seeing him, they enjoyed listening to him. He had a famous catchphrase, you're fired. And that, you know, two words, and it became, and it was like, to be or not to be. It became that famous. Why? <laughs> It was a stupid phrase, you're fired. You know, it's not even a pleasant phrase. If you're told that at work, oh, it doesn't feel good at all. But Trump became famous for you're fired. So what? People enjoyed watching him. He was entertaining. I, I was entertained by him starting in 2004. And all of us shared a similar mental view, 
mental mirror, if you will, of reality. Perceptions of Trump became reality, starting on NBC television, and then became reality in the literal sense in American history in November 2016 when Donald Trump was elected the 45th president. He took office, as is our law in the United States, took office in January of 2017, and the term is four years, so he ran, he ran, he served in the Oval Office from January 20th of 2017 until January 19th of 2021. He had four years in the White House as the 45th president. And what happened after that, you're already familiar with, um, there was another, every four years we have an election in the United States to pick the president and to pick some senators and some Congress people. And then two years after that, we pick more senators and more Congress people. But every four years, it's a year that is divisible by the number four evenly. So um, 2016 is divisible by the number four. Four years later, the year 2020, also divisible by four, and this will be on the test, um, another presidential election. And that time, November 2020, Trump did lose. The winner, the 46th president, Joseph R. Biden. Tens of millions of Americans were, and maybe still are, in shock and disbelief at this outcome. Trump and his devotees and his surrogates kept urging tens of millions of you out there in podcast land to maintain their shared mental picture of reality that Trump had actually won the 2020 election and that he deserves to be reinstated as president. You know, here to tell you, those words don't go together, reinstated as president. Maybe you can be reinstated as president of MGM or Warner Brothers or Pfizer or any other company, but you cannot be reinstated as president of the United States. It is not legal to be done. No way, no how. So... In January of 2021, the 6th of January, to be specific, something unprecedented happened in American history. A group of followers, devotees, supporters of Donald John Trump, arrived on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. to act upon their shared view of reality concerning Trump. It was an angry and violent attempt. You saw it in video. You saw it maybe live on CNN. I don't know. You saw it. You know what I'm talking about. So don't believe anyone who said, hey, 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 it didn't happen. Pay no attention. You didn't really see that. Living is easy with eyes closed, they tell you. Ah, wrong. It happened. Angry and violent attempt by Trump devotees, adherents, followers, believers, took place within the headquarters of the United States Legislation 
process, the headquarters of our nation's legislative branch. Capitol Hill, Washington, D.C. If you haven't ever been there, it's a beautiful place. You should go just to see the dome. Beautiful, beautiful, unbelievably beautiful. But you saw it on live national television, maybe later on YouTube, all around the world. The attempt was very clear to prevent the what's called the certification in Congress mandated by the United States Constitution. It's a process of federal law to certify the election in November of a presidential election year. So you go November, you know, it's usually what, the second Tuesday, first Tuesday in November. By the 20th, no, I'm sorry, by early January, there's the certification of the results so that on the 20th of January, the president is inaugurated. All these big words, but that's the process. Voting in November, certification of the results in early January, uh, and the date moves around, but the 20th or 21st of January is usually the day when the president, the winner, becomes inaugurated. So an out-of-control mob descended upon, or maybe it's uphill, I don't know, to Capitol Hill, and several people died. They are dead people now. In this present year, they are now dead. They are dead because they came to Washington, because to Washington, D.C., to be part of this January 6th, 2021 march on Capitol Hill, march on the federal capital of the United States of America, one of the holiest, well, holiest, one of the most hallowed, sacred in the cultural sense places you can ever find in the United States. Washington, D.C., Capitol Hill, the Capitol Dome. You saw on live national television or on YouTube all these people descended upon that location in anger. They were out of control, which means, by definition, nobody controlled their behaviors. It just burst forward like wildfire in a very dry part of the country. The mob on that day, as we call them, or you want to call them tourists, hey, (laughs) whatever, you can call them pumpkin pie. I don't give a fuck. They were a mob. And let's be real, you saw it on national television, and you saw it on YouTube, you saw it wherever. If you believe they were not a mob, fuck yourself. It does make me angry when people look at YouTube and and, uh, news in television say, oh, I don't see anything. I don't see anything. Living is easy with eyes closed. So this out-of-control mob cost the lives of several people on Capitol Hill that day in that time period. It was a long, long day. Republican Vice President Mike Pence was required, as all vice presidents are, by the United States Constitution The requirement is to certify the winner of the presidential election that just took place a few months earlier in November. He was required by the Constitution of the United States to certify the winner of the presidential election. And so what happened? In Washington, D.C., on Capitol Hill, the hallowed grounds of the national legislative branch, people set up 
a wooden gallows with a rope and a noose put there illegally on federal property. You can't just build shit on Capitol Hill. Need a permit? Try getting a permit. Hey, I want to get a permit to build a wooden gallows to use a rope. Uh, And why do you want that? Well, I want it because I want to hang the Vice President of the United States by the neck until he is dead. Dead, dead, dead. That's what it was for. It wasn't there because, oh, let's do, uh, let's do art in the sense of let's create physical art of wooden gallows with a rope and noose. Gee, isn't that artistic? No, babies. No, no, no. It was there for one purpose and one purpose only, he whispered. Living is easy with eyes closed. If you are someone who thinks it's acceptable behavior to go after the vice president of the United States to hang him by the neck, whether it's in Washington, D.C., Cleveland, Ohio, Anaheim, California, Chicago, Illinois, Atchison, Topeka, or Santa Fe. No, 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 no. If you believe that's acceptable, you are mentally unstable. Telling you. Living is easy with eyes closed. If you believe it is acceptable to go after the Vice President of the United States to hang him by the neck till he dies, you are mentally unstable. Stop listening. Turn this off. If you believe that, if you believe it's okay, go find psychiatric help so that you don't endanger yourself or others. Go now. Go in peace. Get the fuck out of here now. Go away. Living is easy with eyes closed. The shared mental mirror of reality maintained in the minds of Trump devotees, followers, supporters, was that Trump actually won the 2020 election and that Biden is an illegitimate president. That's what people believe. And, you know, you have a right to believe anything. You can believe the Wizard of Oz is our Lord and our God. You know, I don't care. You can believe whatever you want. But if you believe that Joe Biden is not the legitimate president of the United States, mental health issues, knock, knock, ring, ring, clue phone. Living is easy with eyes closed. So after January uh, of 2021, and still continuing today, there are people who believe that Trump was the legitimate winner and that Biden is illegitimately in the White House. Okay, that's just, that's a fact. Another fact, which is probably more scary, is that there were protests against COVID-19. That's a, you know, a name we now have, COVID, uh, coronaviruses, too many syllables, Uh, COVID-19. The 19 refers to the year 2019 when that particular virus was uh, uh, named or discovered in China. You want to call it the Chinese virus? Go away. Just go away. Call it what it is. Coronavirus. Say it. It's kind of a fun word to say. Coronavirus. Coronavirus. Uh, Forget it. COVID-19 is what we call it. And in 2020, it became, actually it was like January, February, March, thereabouts, at least where I was living. 
in Las Vegas, Nevada, is when that first became known, hey, there's a virus going around, it's killing people. Well, people that were the devotees, the supporters, the followers of Trump, who was the 45th president at the time, they chose to believe that it was fake. F-A-K-E, say it loud, say it proud, F-A-K-E, fake, 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 fake. They thought it was fake. They believed it was fake. In their heart of hearts, they believed it was fake. They called it the scam-demic instead of the pandemic. Isn't that clever? No. They thought, they believed that it was a political opposition event. That this virus was created by political opponents of Trump merely, merely, are you ready for this? To make him look bad to the world. Oh, no! What if Trump looks bad to the world? <gasps> oh, no! He looked bad anyway, folks. Here to tell you. So this shared mental equivalent of reality originating from what actually in the year 2020, divisible by four, was a genuine and scientifically verified worldwide virus that was airborne. It killed people, actual people, not F-A-K-E people, not scamdemic people. So all these people, and I don't know how many anymore, but a lot, you know, tens of millions, tens of millions of you fellow people out there chose to believe it was a scam. F-A-K-E, say it loud, say it proud, living is easy with eyes closed. But here on planet Earth where I live, even Trump himself has stated in public that he has willingly accepted the validity of this thing called COVID-19. Coronavirus, coronavirus. Okay, I'll stop. Um, he was hospitalized in October of 2020, about a month before the presidential election. Hospitalized in the state of Maryland and the city of Bethesda, Maryland is the actual place, not fake, F-A-K-E. It is real, R-E-A-L, Bethesda, Maryland. Look it up on Google Maps. Maybe you're near enough to just, just drive there and go visit it. Walter Reed National Military Medical Center, Bethesda, Maryland. That's where they took Donald Trump in a helicopter because it's a quick helicopter ride from the White House to Walter Reed in Maryland. And they kept him there in the hospital and they gave him meds so that he would get better and he, so that he wouldn't die. So that he wouldn't die. Are you hearing this? So that he wouldn't die. Because others around the world had already died. Yeah, they died. F-A-K-E, no. Living is easy with eyes closed. So people chose to believe and still do that the uh, coronavirus, COVID-19, is a scandemic, scandemic, scamdemic, sorry, I said it wrong, scamdemic, they believe. They deny the reality of this potentially fatal airborne virus to kill people, even though there is vivid and obvious proof of death, death, all around you. Just go look, you can find it. Dead people, I see dead people. You see dead people. They died because of COVID-19 people. 
So they're called deniers. So we have to have a name for them. They could be called pumpkin pie, but we call them deniers because it's a good word. They believe in their heart of hearts, if they have hearts, that they have a right to so-called freedom to choose. They don't need to have, I don't need no stinking badges. I don't need no shots in my arm, they say, these deniers, this group of pumpkin pie. They say that because they are deniers. They believe in so-called freedom of choice. Living is easy with eyes closed. So freedom of choice, you can choose to wear nothing. You go outside naked. No winter boots, no gloves, no overcoat when outside it is snowing and it's a blizzard, snows three feet deep. Yeah, you have freedom to go out there with nothing on but your birthday suit, no gloves, no boots, no nothing. Have a good day. When your fingers and your toes freeze off, yeah, I'll well, stop. You can choose freedom of choice to smoke cigarettes and never think about possibly getting sick from lung cancer. That's an old song. We don't need to sing it again. Even older is you can choose to not wear seatbelts and drive your car faster than the speed limit allows if you have freedom of choice. Yeah, go ahead, do it. No, don't do it. It's fucking irresponsible to not wear seatbelts and not follow the speed limit. Just, it is. People who have freedom of choice, so-called, are thinking mainly of themselves and are not, not being considerate of what can happen to other people stemming from their personal choices. Living is easy with eyes closed. Meanwhile, in the real world where I live, and many of you also, there are legitimate medical science vaccinations that began in development during the Trump presidency. Yes, look it up if you don't believe me. He went to Walter Reed, you know, he was the president then. They had meds then in 2020 for treating COVID-19. U.S. pharmaceutical companies such as Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, they all received precious, coveted federal taxpayer dollars in compensation for their expensive medical science research and development prior to making those vaccines available for public usage. And Trump received meds that weren't even available to everyone. They were uh, not even, not secret, but they were experimental. They weren't available, FDA approved at that time for everyone. So the vaccines wearing facial masks became a symbol of if you did the opposite, if you didn't get the vaccines and you didn't wear facial coverings, you were expressing freedom. Say it with me, freedom. It's spelled S-T-U-P-I-D. Oh, no, I guess I can't say that. You're not necessarily stupid if you believe in foolish things. Foolish things are not the product of a stupid mind. It's a product of a deliberate choice, chosen deliberately. Yes, people, living is easy with eyes closed. The deliberate choice is being made strongly powerful in this physical world we live in because collectively sharing mind-based thoughts about what is deemed to be real and what is deemed to be true. It's deliberate, not accidental thinking. Deliberate, happened 
on purpose, still happening. Living is easy with eyes closed. So as a reality check, when this is being recorded, the number of dead people in the United States has exceeded 800,000. And maybe when you're hearing this, it's even higher, but as of today, hooray for us. Give ourselves a big hand. 800,000 dead people. Not from a scamdemic. They really died. They have ceased to breathe. They are dead people. So, how is it? How is it that people can get their minds set, as we say, make up their minds to believe in things that are foolish? I take back what I said. They are not stupid. It is, you can be very, very smart. It's a deliberate thing, though. It's not accidental. You don't accidentally believe in a scamdemic. You don't accidentally believe in F-A-K-E-N-E-W-S. It is a deliberate choice to believe in those things. Living, living is easy with eyes closed. So, it is called many things, this process I'm speaking about. Let's call it mind voice, okay? Mind voice. It's what you hear inside your head. We all do. We all hear it. It's a combination of our brain, our mind, conscious thoughts, and our subconscious thoughts and memories. The brain is the physical gray matter. The mind is the electronic and chemical things happening inside those channels in our brain. So mind is physical, brain... I'm sorry, brain is physical, mind is not. Mind mind is a construct. And it's named that by people a long, 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 long time ago. The brain was named that a long time, even earlier than that. But it's a thing that we have in between the two ears that we're born with. And it's a very powerful instrument, and it is an instrument of power. In the 20th century, a British, yes, God bless England, a British philosopher named James Allen assembled ancient wisdom of people together. And ancient meaning all the way back to those dead Romans, you know, those guys in the togas and funny long hair, and they talked funny. In vino veritas, they said a lot. And what does that mean? In wine, truth. If you drink wine, you'll know the truth. Or, if, you know, if you take cannabis today, <laughs> you'll know the truth. But the ancient Romans... The wisdom of them was put together in the 20th century, 2,000 years later, by James Allen. He's a British, or he's dead now, but a British philosophical writer. In the United States, uh, of course, they always make things in the U.S. a little more complicated. They called it neuro-linguistic programming. Say it with me, people. Neuro-linguistic programming, NLP, as is known, is the abbreviation that it's known by. Whatever you want to call it, I call it mind voice, you can call it pumpkin pie. But it's yours. The voice in your head can be, I'm telling you, this is the secret that you should have been taught when you were a kid. The voice in your mind is something that you own. 
You are the boss of you. You can think for yourself. Your mind voice is yours to put to positive use if you wish, if you choose. You can also choose to rely upon other people, what they tell you. That's your choice too. But I'm telling you, you're sitting with me on this plane or on this train or we're riding somewhere together, you're listening to me, you can choose to have a mind that you put to use deliberately. You're not stupid. You can choose to deliberately use your mind. And you can still enjoy television. It's fine. The Apprentice was fine. It was enjoyable. It was very enjoyable. But it was entertainment. It was a product created for television distribution worldwide. It wasn't a gospel in the Bible. It wasn't something that you should believe as gospel truth, so-called. It was a television show. But I'm telling you, your mind is yours. You are in control, or potentially. You are in control of your own mind. You are the boss of you. And as we know, things that can be used in a correct way can, of course, <laughs> what, how magical, isn't it? Things can be used in an incorrect way. And one example of an incorrect way to use your mind is groupthink. It's two words mashed together, and it was uh, coined in the 1970s by a guy named Irving Janus, and he was at Yale University in New Haven, Connecticut, group think is what he called it, and it was, uh, by definition, uh, incorrect or faulty way to use your mind. And on one hand, you have pro-social positive outcomes that can come from the correct usage of your mind. You are the boss of you. You can think for yourself, or you can get stuck in group think, as Irving Janus named it, in which your antisocial and not positive outcomes happen. Now, group think has been written about, and there, I'll put a link to this because it is important. It's not something that we all just know. Group think is something that has affected uh, real-life physical world events in the uh, in 1972, when it was first uh, coined and people started writing books about it, researchers looked at the John F. Kennedy administration 10 years previous to that, and they examined faulty thinking, incorrect thinking, and it was uh, later written about, very well documented, in fact, that the administration of John F. Kennedy was a victim of groupthink in the sense that decisions were made, very important, I think, decisions made in the military sense that could have led us to World War III in the 60s. But luckily, they did not. And groupthink, you can follow the link on uh, tabutruthsandtales.com uh, to find out more about groupthink. But I believe in it. I think it's a perfectly fine... Yeah, it's a it's a construct. It's a <clears throat> theoretical construct. He cleared his throat. Uh, it's a... 
it's an intellectual concept, but you know it it, do, it does do justice to what happens in the real world, in the physical world. So, if you don't watch out, you will let someone else be the boss of you. If you close your eyes, you will listen to what they tell you to do. And if you think the way they tell you to think, you could get into unhappiness. You could get into trouble. You could get into Washington, D.C. on January 6, 2021, and you could die. You know, just saying. So I became someone, after I first learned about Irving Janus and about groupthink, I became someone who wanted to be... Um, using my mind correctly. I didn't want to be unhappy. I didn't want to be uh, angry all the time. And I was. And I'll tell you why. I found myself, I mean, I was, I, suddenly here I am, there in Denver, Colorado. All of my life up to that point had propelled me through a whole series of events, some happy, some not so, and I found, I was in a bookstore in Denver, Colorado, and I found this book on the shelves. It was a very dusty book. I think literally it was a dusty book. It was from the 1950s. It was written by a guy named Emmett Fox, and the name, the title of his book is The Mental Equivalent, The Secret of Demonstrations. And it's, um, you can still find it anywhere. It's very old now, but um, go to Amazon. I'll give you a link on Taboo Truths and Tales so you can go look it up for yourself. Or you can find it for yourself. Google it. Emmett Fox, The Mental Equivalent. So I'm in this bookstore in Denver, Colorado, and I found his book. And I was, it was sort of like, you know, and if it was a movie, the book would have flown off the shelf and hit me in the head. Except it was a small paperback, so what kind of damage would it do? None, I tell you. But so I was overwhelmed when I read through this book. It's very short, easy to read. And I found out, hey, wait a minute. I've been doing things wrong. <laughs> wake up, wake up, wake up. You're out of the woods. I won't sing. <clears throat> You're not living with your eyes closed anymore, big guy, said to myself. I am going to become the boss of me. So I read this book by Emmett Fox that I found in a dusty old used bookstore in Denver, Colorado, The Mental Equivalent. You should read it too. It's uh, very short. I recommend it. Um, and it taught me very quickly. I took it back to where I was living and uh, it opened my mind. And it's a very odd experience where you pick up one thing and it changes your life. But it, it did happen. And it's like, you know, if you're on a plane sitting next to someone and they're telling you all this, that could change your life. You're on a bus, you're on a train, wherever you are, it could change your mind. It could change your life. And that's what happened to me. I hope it happens to you. I hope it happens to you. And I'm here to tell you that what I learned was that using our minds as human beings has nothing at all to do with moral right or moral wrong. Whatever you may have as your your spiritual faith 
your beliefs, whether or not you choose to believe in God, or whether you're a member of any particular organized religion. How you use your mind is a separate thing. It isn't connected to God, faith, going to church, splashing holy water on your face. Oops, a Catholic reference. It's a separate thing. So how you use your mind is not connected to morality, good or bad, right or wrong. And this is what Emmett Fox wrote about. Um, oddly, oddly, Emmett Fox had been raised in the Roman Catholic Church. He was raised, uh, educated by Jesuits who were really excellent teachers. Um, but in the Catholic Church, you know, and Jesuits raised uh, or educated Emmett Fox in Ireland. He rejected, uh, he rejected the Jesuits, he rejected Roman Catholicism, and instead wrote this book, uh, The Mental Equivalent. So you go look it up. But I'd say all that about Catholics and Jesuits, because I respect the Jesuits, even though I am not someone who believes in the Roman Catholic Church. I am, in fact, someone who doesn't believe there is a God in that interventionist sense. Someone up there in the sky who listens to our prayers and whatever, you know, I'm an atheist. That's it. That's what it is. So, Emmett Fox, not an atheist. He was raised in the Roman Catholic Church, Jesuits, and so forth. And he wrote a book that was published. I picked it up in this used bookstore in Denver, Colorado, and it changed my life. So, what did I do? When it changed my life, what did I do? I started using what principles Emmett Fox ta talked about, wrote about. He didn't talk. He was dead. <laughs> but he talked about them in his book. The ancient Roman emperors talked about it and wrote about it. This British guy in the 20th century wrote about it too. But what it essentially boils down to is that you can take the reins and you can be someone who becomes the boss of you. You can do it yourself. You can think for yourself. Living is easy with eyes closed. Don't live that way. So what does it amount to? It amounts to, I guess, I guess, reprogramming your mind. Because if you want to take that as a computer uh, metaphor, you are programmed from childhood pre-verbal days to believe certain things, to think certain things, and just like a computer is programmed with an operating system, you have an operating system. It's not software. It's in your head. It's in uh, your mind. But it's programming, I believe. It's a good metaphor. You can reprogram your mind, and that's what I did, starting in uh, the time after I took home Emmett Fox's book, from that dusty used bookstore in Denver, Colorado, I used what he taught me, the dead guy who was raised, educated by Jesuits. He taught me how to reprogram my mind. And how's, how does it work? Okay. I will tell you briefly, it's something that you can do, and it is something that I did, something that millions of people all around the world do. It's when you take control of your mind and you tell yourself in a verbal way certain things and you repeat those certain verbal things there's a big word affirmations you can use that if you want or you can use are you ready for it pumpkin pie whatever you want to call it 
affirmations, pumpkin pie, words you say to yourself in your head. And you repeat the words over and over repeatedly. You repeat, repeat, repeat. One example is, this, and it usually needs to start with a personal pronoun, I. So I'm going to give you a neutral example. I am enjoying drinking a fresh hot cup of dark roasted coffee. Wow, mmm, makes me thirsty. That's that's an affirmation. That's You can repeat that day after day after day. I am enjoying drinking a fresh hot cup of dark roasted coffee. Well, it doesn't do anything because it doesn't require an action, you know, and a, it doesn't say I'm going to go right now to Starbucks, but you need an action. You can't just have an unactionable, there's a big word, thought in your head, bouncing around, repeating. I am the boss of me. That's an actionable affirmation. So you can say that over and over. Or, and, I can think for myself. And I'll give you one now that is an actual affirmation that has the personal pronoun I, and it is actionable, and you'll see what I mean right away. Here we go. I am enjoying meeting people that I haven't already met, and I feel happy to experience their diversity and their differences compared to who I am. And you could say it in a less formal way, but it has the personal pronoun I, and it has the use of words that profoundly change your thinking and lead to you changing your day-to-day behaviors out there in the world, in the physical world. So what is, I'll deconstruct it. I enjoy meeting people. Some people don't. <laughs> oh, really? Some people don't enjoy meeting others. They just want to be by themselves. Leave me alone. Well, if you say, I am enjoying meeting people, you'll get rid of that feeling. I'm happy to experience their diversity and their differences compared to me. Most people aren't going to say that. Oh, they don't believe that. They think, oh, this guy has dark skin, so he's somehow not good. Or this guy has eyes that are shaped differently from mine, so he's not good. Or this guy believes in Vladimir Putin, so he's not... So, personal pronoun, actionable phrases. I... I am enjoying meeting people that I haven't already met, and I feel happy to experience their diversity and their differences compared to who I am. That will change your mental view of yourself if you repeat it often enough, and it'll change your behaviors after it changes your uh, mental image of yourself. The words in your mind every day create a vision or image of what kind of life you're going to have. I'm going to repeat this. The words in your mind every day create a vision or image of what kind of life you are going to have. That is the foundation of NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. It's the foundation of reprogramming your mind. The trick is, okay, yeah, you knew there was a trick. You have to choose the correct words. Otherwise, you'll just mess things up for yourself and for your loved ones. If you keep repeating, the 2020 election was stolen from Donald Trump. Just keep repeating that over and over. You'll end up doing damage to yourself 
mentally, emotionally. You'll be angry. You'll be unhappy. And you may just maybe march on Washington, D.C. with the hopes of seeing the Vice President of the United States with a rope around his neck on a wooden gallows dying in the public view on federal property. That can happen to you if you put the wrong words in your head. I don't mean to use the word wrong as in right or wrong, but correct versus incorrect. That's better. So if you put the incorrect words in your mind, if you have incorrect affirmations, well, you'll end up with a mess. You will end up with a mess. And this is why living is easy with eyes closed. You pretend that there is no mess. There's a term, and again, all these big words, but pardon me, cognitive dissonance. It's what's That's a technical or a psychological term caused by when you see things in life, you hear things, you observe things, and it clashes with what you have in your mind. Like if you see someone being mean to an animal, a cat or a dog or a pet of some kind, and you were raised to be respectful of animals or pets, well, that's going to clash with what you believe. When you see that, it will clash with what you believe. That is cognitive dissonance. Sorry for the big words, but that's what it is. It's when what you're seeing or hearing or perceiving excuse me, what you're seeing or hearing or perceiving clashes with what you have inside your head. So I ended up in Denver. How did I end up in Denver? Well, I drove there. I drove there because I was running away from home, literally. I was leaving behind the Commonwealth of Massachusetts where I had lived as a married gentleman to coin a phrase, I was living with a woman that I had married about a dozen years earlier. And that just didn't work out. It didn't work out. It was a mess. Um, So I left her. I divorced her. I left my life, former life in Massachusetts, and I headed west. I'm from California, so I had some vague notion of, okay, I'm going to go back to where I was born, California. and But you have to get to Denver first on the way. Well, not every which way, but certain paths to California take you through um, Denver, and that's where I ended up when I was running away from home. Really, really hurting. I was suffering, angry, depressed, in a fog, drinking a lot of alcohol. I was overweight because I drank a lot of alcohol. And why? Because I was in a bad marriage and I didn't have the power and, you know, the guts or, I don't know, the emotional strength to make the choice to leave for a dozen years. Oh no, why so long? Oh, because I was taught by our culture, by the Roman Catholic Church and other things, parents, uncles and aunts, etc., that, you know, this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to find the one woman, get married to her, and you'll live happily ever after. No, no, no. It doesn't necessarily happen that way, you know. So I'm in Denver, Colorado, ran away from home, drove away from home. And I find this book by Emmett Fox, and it opened me up to the reality that I was thinking incorrectly. And I had come to believe that Uh, everything I had believed and had been taught 
educated and so forth up to that point was true for me and it was not true for me something that's true for you won't make you overweight and drunk from too much jack daniels you know you need to seek the opposite of all that so i started looking for harmony it's a nice word and I, I started reading, uh, there's a, an American author, Tony Hillerman. I'll give you a link on the website, uh, tabutruthsandtales.com. give you a link to, to, to Tony Hillerman. He uh, lived from 1925 till 2008, and he wrote a very entertaining um, crime mysteries. You know, it's, he's not a religious person, but it was a very spiritual take on crime in the Navajo Nation. This is a place in, in the Navajo Nation in the United States. Large, large area where people who are Navajo people, indigenous people, live. So Tony Hillerman, not a Navajo person, wrote crime stories that took place in the Navajo Nation. And I learned from him of this Navajo concept of Hajho, it's not an English word, it's a Navajo word. Hajho. Kind of funny pronunciation, huh? So what does it mean? It means many things. And, and Navajo is a complicated language. It doesn't easily translate to English. But the definition that I give for Hajho is happiness, contentment, peace of mind and soul, centeredness, coming from you're embracing internal and external harmony, beauty, wholeness, balance, goodness, peace, and trust. Sounds like a, a John Lennon song, doesn't it? <laughs> and it's the opposite of, I'm here to tell you, opposite of living is easy with eyes closed. So I sought, I think I just instinctively became someone in search of harmony. So I picked up Tony Hillerman, read about his uh, the adventures, the fictional adventures, uh, crime-solving adventures in the Navajo Nation. Lots of fun. But it contains the word Hajho, a Navajo word, which means all of those things I already said. So I became um, bolstered by uh, Emmett Fox, Mental Equivalent, Tony Hillerman, Hajho. And, you know, when you're at a mile-high elevation, if you live in Denver... Or if you visit Denver, you'll be at a mile high, and that means 5,200 plus feet above sea level. And it's different than if you live at sea level, and it's just a natural thing. Sea level has a higher, um, what's it called, barometric pressure. Um, there's thicker air at sea level. So when you live in Denver, it's more difficult to breathe if you have a breathing problem. It's going to take you a while, take your lungs a while to adjust, take your blood a while to adjust to that atmosphere at that altitude. So I'm in Denver, mile high, uh, reading him at Fox, thinking about living as easy with eyes closed, thinking about Hajho, thinking about Tony Hillerman. And that's when I discovered uh, that, hey, I can be the boss of myself. I can think for myself. I can come up with my own affirmations, pumpkin pie. And so I started repeating every day, every day, every day, every day, a list of things, uh, not a list, a group of affirmations. I recorded them on a device, handheld device, and I plugged the device into my ears, and I walked around out in high-altitude Denver, listening every day, every day, every day, 
to those words, those affirmations. And it really did change my, it reprogrammed me. That is the essence of, again, big word, neuro-linguistic programming, NLP. It's the essence of mind voice, if you want to call it that. And it's a journey. It's not a destination. You don't just arrive, hey, I'm at exit 15, and now I don't have to go any further. No, 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 no. You have to keep doing these things in your head called affirmations or pumpkin pie. Whatever you call it. I got rid of what were false truths for me. And I'm going to give you the false truths. I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed to admit I had these truths. They were false. They were incorrect for me. Number one. Your only happiness in life will be found in a blind and faith-based acceptance of some invisible higher power out there somewhere in the universe. And if you want to capitalize higher power, capital H, capital P, okay? Number two, life is predestined and predetermined for each of us by that higher power, capital H, capital P. You don't get to make choices in how your life turns out. Your cards are dealt from a deck that you neither understand nor control. You grow up and become an adult. Once you learn to play the cards, you are dealt and stop whining. Joan Rivers used to say, oh, grow up. That's truth, false truth number two. And last but not least, false truth number three. If you do not find happiness or success in your life, this, this is due to the fact that the higher power, capital H, capital P, does not want you to be happy or successful, so just get over it. Just get over any disappointment you may happen to feel and instead seek comfort in hanging out with other people who believe in and trust the higher power, capital H, capital P, as the final and ultimate control over all living things. And the next thing you know, you end up in Washington, D.C., watching Mike Pence swinging by a rope around his neck until he is dead. Those were my false truths. Yours will be different. Your mileage may vary. So watch out. Don't believe in false truths. Believe in what is true for you. And how you do this, you pay attention. You pay attention to people telling you how you can live better. I am one of those people. I'm not asking for your money. I don't care for your money. I just want you to hear what I'm saying. You can be the boss of you. You can think for yourself. One of those four guys from Liverpool wrote another song where the title was Think for Yourself. And those are words to live by. You will not be sad. You will not be unhappy. You will not be angry. Quite the opposite. You will find yourself the true version of yourself if you open up to the reality that there is an owner's manual for your mind it's free of charge i just gave it to you you can listen to this recording again and again have your affirmations or your pumpkin pie ready (laughs) and go out there and spray a lot of whipped cream on it and you'll live happily 
more happily than you are presently living. You won't be angry, okay? So, more information available at tabutruthsandtales.com, the website. Don't send any money. I don't want your money. Just start believing and stop living with eyes closed. Thank you very much.